Good morning, church. All right, this is my first time back in Cyprus this year. Good morning, church. We're going to wake up a little bit, all right? It is so good to be back with you. I've been preaching at Spring Branch the last two weeks. Uh, Happy to be here, so happy New Year. Uh, How many of you are 100% still on your New Year's resolution? Anybody? Like, yes, we got a lady up here. Go ahead. Okay, nobody boo her out of here. A couple more people. Uh, Who has not been uh, 100% on the resolution? I have not been. Totally okay. I'm just going to tell you, get back on the horse today. Uh, Whatever that was, like, get back on it. It's totally worth it. But one thing that I think is a good practice for us to do, uh, and and it happens oftentimes, it puts a focus for me, is that beginning of the year, I ask the Lord, God, what do you want for 2016? Like, in this season of my life, God, what is a a word that you have for me? What is a, a phrase that you have for me? And so I just ask God, God, you're a God who speaks. Will you tell me, kind of give me a word, give me a a vision, give me something that I can really know this is you. And if you've never done that, I would highly suggest maybe even today that you get away with God, away from everybody else, and just ask him, God, what are you doing in this season of my life? What are you trying to teach me? And so the phrase that he he gave me as we transitioned to 2016 uh, was uh, abundance and abiding. Now, I got really excited when I heard the word abundance because that's a good thing, right? Abundance. So abundance and abiding. Now, now I tell you this for two reasons. Uh, Number one, so you can keep me accountable. Uh, When I tell a thousand people that this is what God has told me, uh, I fully expect you guys to say, hey, Derek, how are you doing on abiding? Like, what is the Lord teaching you? Okay, so that's number one reason I'm sharing that. But number two is, as I've been studying the first three weeks of what it looks like to abide in Christ, to abide in the Word, to abide in the Spirit, I've been learning a bunch, and I've realized how prominent it is in the scriptures. And so today, I just want us to open up the word and say, well, what does it look like for me to abide? And so go ahead and turn in your Bibles, John chapter 15. Uh, anybody have a new Bible in the house? I hear we gave away like 750 Bibles. Go ahead and hold your Bible if you've got a new one. So good. I, I want to hear these pages. I want to smell the fresh pages as you guys open them up. John chapter 15. Now, now John chapter 15 is, is a very interesting section of scripture. It, it's the right in the middle of the final days that Jesus was walking on this earth. So, so John chapter 13 is where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet at the Passover. And then Jesus continues to talk about, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And he talks about the Holy Spirit. And then right smack dab in the middle, we hear in John 15. Now, how many of you know when you're getting towards the end of your life, if you've ever been with somebody and they're getting to the final days of their life, their words have a lot of weight, right? So they're not going to waste their breath on just some nonsense. They're going to be really purposed with the words they use, right? And I think this is the same for Jesus. He knows that his time on earth is coming to an end. And so the last few chapters here of John, the 13 through really 17, we see that Jesus is giving great uh, teaching, very important teachings, because he knows it's on the last words That he's going to have with his disciples. And so we pick up in John chapter 15, verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, or maybe your translation says, remain in me. But it says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5 says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me 
and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is just so much here to soak up. So, so much. We're going to just pull out a few things. Now, when Jesus was teaching the society and the men and women he was teaching to, they would have had great understanding of what it meant for a vine and branches. Do any of you have any grapevines at home, though? Does anybody? We've got a couple people back here. Great. Yeah, you guys can probably come up here and teach this better than I can. But in Ohio, uh, in, in addition to having my sweet corn field that I raised sweet corn five acres and harvested it and sold it, in addition to our family garden, in addition to we had apple trees and we had peach trees and we had some cherry trees, in addition to that, the people that I bought the property from 18 years prior had planted some vines that were producing grapes. And so I actually have a little experience with some grape vines. And so uh, at 18 years old, they had come up and they were over the trellis and so part of my job as the homeowner was to make sure as best as I could to Google how to take care of vines. And so I did that. Google was so amazing. And now maybe you can use Siri or whatever you use. But so I Googled how do you take care of vines. And so I started realizing that it was really my job to make sure these things were healthy. And so I would go, and if there was something that didn't look good, disease that started to die, I would cut it off. Or sometimes I would just say, man, this is not going the direction I want it, so I'm going to cut this off. And when I cut it off and I would show up a few days later, I would know which of the vine, because they were all tied together, I would find out which one I cut because it would begin to wither and it would be darker brown. It would not look like it had life in it. And so when I cut it, death was there. And I would often cut it because it wasn't producing what it was supposed to be producing. And so I also learned when I had... This grapevine, that, that there is a lot to learn about the branch and, and the vine. So the branch, though, it, 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 just to be clear, it originates from the vine. Okay, so the branch shoots out of the vine. Also, the, the vine and the branch, they're really very similar. They're really made the same. Now, the branch, though, is very weak, and the vine is very strong. But they look the same, just on a smaller scale. Now, what's also interesting is that what flows through the vine also flows through the branch. And that's deep. Think about that. Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, you're the branch. What, flew, fluff, that what gives nutrition and feeds, <laughs> what gives nutrition to the vine that makes it the vine is the same thing that flows into the branch. Amazing. And what I also know about the branches is they are completely dependent on the vine for life. And so we see Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, and you're the branches. Those that remain in me, that abide in me, they bear fruit. But if you don't, you will not bear fruit. And so we see this word abide, and like I said, your Bible may say remain in. The word abide means remain in, to be in the presence of, to continue in. It means to be joined to. And so Jesus is saying, if you abide in me and I in you, he's telling us, you need to abide in me and I will abide in you. Now listen, this is weird because Jesus knows he's getting ready to be killed. Now listen, if I tell you to abide in me, that means to hang out with me, stay with me, but then I fly a one-way ticket to uh, Hawaii, you can't abide with me unless you go with me, right? So Jesus, though, he's going somewhere that his disciples can't go, yet he says, abide in me and I in you. Now, does that sound weird to you? Because to abide, I've got to be in the presence of that person. And Jesus says, abide in me, yet he's going to be leaving. Now, flip over to John chapter 16, and we're going to 
get a little bit more insight of what Jesus was really talking about when he says, abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branch. Abide in me and I in you. Look at John chapter 16. Jesus has cuddled up his disciples and he's telling them, hey guys, I'm going to be leaving you. I'm going to be going back to the Father. And then verse 7, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, with a capital H, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Skip down to verse 12. It says, I still have many things to say to you. This is Jesus saying this. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So we're talking about abiding. And Jesus says, abide in me. And in the same conversation, he tells us, guys, guys, I'm actually going to be leaving you. Now, for a lot of us, we've been in seasons of life where we say, if only I could have walked with Jesus. Has anybody else ever thought that? Like, my life would be different, my faith would be different if I could just have Jesus here in the flesh. Everything would be different. It would be much easier. But Jesus is telling the guys that were with him. They were in the flesh. They ate with Jesus. They saw him do all these things. He is sitting there telling them, hey, it's actually better Physically, I am no longer here. I'm going to go back to the Father so I can send you the Holy Spirit. That he's not just going to be with you because Jesus, he was with his disciples. But we know from the scriptures, many places, Old and New Testament, that the Spirit was not just going to be around them. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, fully God, is going to be placed inside of them. And Jesus says, this is much, much better. And so today, as we see, Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. He he wasn't saying about him physically. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit. So if we want to abide in Jesus, we've got to abide in the Spirit. And to uh, abide in the Spirit, that requires me that I see the Holy Spirit as God. And so we see this is what Jesus is speaking about. He's saying, abide in me. This is the spirit. And so he says, when you do abide in me, there's going to be some things that happen. Go back to John chapter 15. I love hearing these pages turn. It's so good. It's fresh. You might have to get your your fingers wet to change the page. Verse, Verse 5, it says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Now, now, the word that I had from the Lord for this year for me was that, I, that a, there would be abundance in abiding. Now, how many of you know that the Spirit doesn't speak anything that's not true in the Word of God? So what do you see here? If you abide in me, your life's going to produce abundant fruit, much fruit. This is the promise that we have. And then he also says, though, is if you don't abide in me, there will be no fruit. See, this is not a minor miss. Church, we we can't miss out on what Jesus is saying. Listen, if you want to live an abundant life, if you want to know God, if you want to see God, the fruit of God in your life, he says right here, you must abide in him. And to abide in him means you abide, abide in the spirit. But if we choose not to abide in the spirit, what it says right here, these are not the words of Derek, these are the words of Jesus. Then he says, there will be no fruit in your life, and, and you'll live a life of always wanting, always hoping, always wishing things were different. 
but you'll be left void, be left empty. And so we see here that Jesus says, abide in me, abide in the spirit, and you will bear much, much fruit. Now, as we're thinking about fruit, we, uh, it's really good in the scriptures when you start linking things together. Now, where else does the scripture talk about fruit? Lots of places, but specifically one is the fruit of the spirit, right? So flip over to Galatians chapter 5, because if you're like me, uh, the word abundant is really, really a great word. And it says that I'm going to bear much fruit, and I want to know what that fruit is, right? If I abide in him, I'm going to bear fruit. So, so what is that fruit? Look at verse 22 in, in chapter 5 of Galatians. It says, but the spirit, or but the fruit of the spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, now the, the fruit that we have when we abide in Christ is the same fruit that we have here, the fruit of the spirit, which is, which is really its characteristics of God himself. So all these fruit, what the fruit of the spirit really is, it's godliness in your life. Now, now, how many of you know that God cannot be summed up in nine words? Amen? So, so the, the word here, the, the list that Paul gives us, it's a representative list. It doesn't include all God. And I just heard a pastor this last week, he said the list in the Bible, they reveal God, they don't contain God. That's really good. They reveal to us about God, but there's no amount of words in the scriptures or in our language or any other language that can reveal all of God. And so we see here that the fruit that Jesus promises will happen when we abide in him is that we'll literally become more and more like Jesus in our lives, abundantly, more and more, when we know the spirit and we abide in him. Now we learn something else in this passage. Go back up to verse 16 in Galatians chapter 5. We learn a little bit more from Paul what this looks like. Verse 16, he says, but I say, walk by the spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Now, now what Paul is saying, Jesus uses the word abide, but Paul uses the word walk. Now, let me tell you, it's, it's, he's saying the same thing here. This, this picture of walking is so good because when I walk, I have a velocity. Now, for you engineers and technical people, you really like, liked when I said that. You just perked up a little bit. Velocity, velocity is a speed in a direction. And so when I'm walking, I am going somewhere and I have a speed. And so for order for you to walk with me, you've got to align your speed in your direction with my speed. Amos 3.3 says, can a person walk together unless they first agree? The answer is no, they, they can't. See, there comes, you have to have agreement to walk together. And I think we have a, a beautiful picture here. How many of you own a dog? Anybody own a dog? Raise your hand high. You can be proud of that. Okay, most of you. So how many of you have ever seen a dog? Anybody ever seen a dog? Okay. So 100%. So this should be good for you. I shared this at Spring Branch a couple of weeks ago, and I think it just helps us get a picture of what Paul is talking about. So when you get a dog, they are so darn cute. They have these big feet that are way bigger than their bodies, and they're so, like, all over the place. They look so cute, and they're usually puffy and fluffy, and everything they do is so cute. So when they kind of chew up your first shoe, that's like, oh, that's so cute. Or when they have that accident on this rug, you're like, okay, that's all right. I still love you. You're so cute. But then, like, day two comes around, and you're like, no, we're not going to have this. Like, it's time for you to go puppy to dog, like, now. And when they move, transition from puppy to dog, we begin to train them, right? We train them to sit. 
stay, to bark, to shake hands, to go get something out of the refrigerator, go get the mail, whatever we teach them. We train them a lot of things, but I think the most important thing that we train our dog is to walk with us. Now, when I get my dog and I want to train them to walk with me, I get them on a leash and I begin to walk with them. My hope is that they would be aware of my direction and my speed. So when I'm walking with my dog and I stop, guess what I want my dog to do? I want him to stop. If I'm walking with my dog and I turn left, I want my dog to turn left as well. So I want my dog to be aware of where I'm going and how fast I'm going. But I also want him to follow me and do what I've asked him to do. But, but how many of you know when you have a puppy or a dog, there are a lot of distractions in the world. So when I'm walking my dog at the park, and if you're young and single and you're a guy, it's a really good idea to do this. Um, so get a dog, a really cute dog, not a, like a little tiny dog, get a real dog. Just totally joking. I'm totally joking. Just get a dog. Um, so when, when you get a dog and you're training it and everything's going right, you're back in the park, and then all of a sudden uh, uh, this squirrel comes by and your dog is like, squirrel! And runs and is wanting to go and kill and eat that squirrel. Distraction shows up. Or, or when you're walking your dog and your dog sees another dog. I mean, what's a dog do? He, I got to smell that. And so it goes, I got to smell that dog for some reason. Or it comes up to a fire hydrant and you guys know what happens in a fire hydrant. There's distractions all over the place for dogs when they're learning how to walk. But the intention of me training my dog how to walk is that someday I don't even need... A leash. And when I speed up, my dog comes with me. When I stop, my dog just knows because he's aware of me, he stops. And, and when Satan, I mean a squirrel, flies by, he, everything in his body says, go and run after that squirrel. But when my dog is trained, he gets his eyes off the squirrel and back on his master and says, I know I want to run after that, but I'm going to submit my will to my master's will because I know that he has the best intention for me. And so then I'm walking a little farther in a fire hydrant. Man, I really got to go. But I'm going to get my eyes back on my master and trust him. I'm going to walk with him. So we're training our dog to be constantly aware of me as the master, where I'm going, how fast am I going there. But also then to submit his will to my will. Now, I think we can learn a lot from dogs this morning. I don't think we can learn anything from cats. Um, maybe how, what not to do. But I think we can learn a lot about dogs, of what it looks like for us to walk with God. Because what are we called to do to walk with God? We are called to, first and foremost, be aware of God. To get our eyes on Jesus. To look to him. To expect him to speak. And as he speaks, I have a decision. Am I going to follow him or am I going to run after something else? And as we're walking with the Lord, as I'm acknowledging him and walking with him, distractions come. Pornography, boom. Gossip, boom. Lying, boom. And all in my body, I'm saying, go and run after that. Go and kill and eat. Everything in my body saying, go after the distraction. But what God has called us to do, get our eyes off of the distraction and back on the master. Knowing that what he has is better than what that has to offer. What he's teaching us as we walk with him is to say no to the moment and yes to the master. See, that's what it looks like 
for me to walk with God. And let me tell you, it's not a one-time thing. It's not when I trust God as my Lord and Savior, I trust him, I'm aware of him. That's the first time ever, yes. But if you've been walking with the Lord for 30 years, you know that it requires daily. Okay, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? And when I hear you, when I read the scriptures, when I hear you in prayer, am I going to submit my will to your will? When distractions come, am I going to trust the master more than the moment? See, that's what it looks like to walk with God. This is what Paul is calling us to. He's saying walk with the spirit. Jesus says abide in the spirit. And both of them say the fruit of that is going to be godliness. You're going to become more and more like God. And so the two things that we have is awareness, acknowledgement. The first step in walking with God, of abiding, is to first acknowledge God as God. This word acknowledge or this word awareness, it means to notice, to look to. And maybe the hardest word for some of us in the room, to submit to God. You see, to grow in awareness, uh, Curtis got us started on a great track last week. That was a phenomenal message, and I hope that it's still seared in your heart. The, the presence of the Word of God in our life is crucial. And as we say, how do I get acknowledged? How do I get to know the Holy Spirit? I would say the first thing you got to know is you got to know what does this scripture, this God-inspired book say about the Holy Spirit? He's the one that inspired it. He's the one that brings it to life. And so I ask you, do you know who the Holy Spirit is? Because seven years ago, I had no idea. So if you're feeling that way today, listen, I, I've been there. I had no idea what this word said about the Spirit. I just knew it was the last thing that we said before baptism. No idea who he was, what he did. And then I began to hear some teaching. And I began to look for myself, who is the Spirit that... I hear about and that I read about. So I begin to just dig into the word of God to learn who the spirit of God is, who is fully God. And so I'm going to challenge you today. If you say, I feel ignorant to the Holy Spirit, listen, there's no prize when you get to heaven for being ignorant of what God has already told us. You've got the word of God. Why not read it to learn who is this God? And so my challenge for you this week what if you just looked up every verse on the Holy Spirit and you read it? And, and as you read it, you ask God, God, will you make this real? Will you show me, give me revelation of who is the Spirit that Jesus talks about, that Paul talks about, that the Old Testament talks about, that David said, hey, you can do anything, but just don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Read the Word. Ask God. And as you do, you'll become more aware of who the Holy Spirit is. And then as you become more aware of the Spirit, I would also challenge you, not just reading the Word, but begin to fellowship with this God, Holy Spirit. It's what abiding means. It's this community. The Holy Spirit is a God of communion, communication. The Scriptures say that He will speak, that He will guide, that He will lead. He will do it. But are we even asking Him? 
And so as we fellowship, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to say, God, will you fill me up? Will you bring revelation? By faith, will I want to know the Spirit. And that's how it starts. And then we start talking to the Spirit. And that may sound really weird to you. I, I get that. I'm a guy. I, I get that. But it's not weird. We see it throughout the Scriptures where the Holy Spirit speaks to a man, whether that's conviction of sin or whether he tells him to go speak to the Ethiopian eunuch because I'm gonna, about to rock his world and bring salvation to his home. The Spirit spoke that to Philip. So if we really are a church that's biblical, then we should expect that God would speak through his Holy Spirit who he's given us. And so this communication where in the morning I just wake up and I recognize, God, you are God. You've given me your Spirit. He's living inside of me. I submit to you. Help me have eyes to see what you're doing around me. Help me have ears to hear so I can join in you with you to allow the kingdom of God to come in this world, today, not just for eternity. So we see the scripture and fellowship becoming more and more aware of God. But then once we become aware of God, we've got a decision. And that word is trust. Am I going to submit to? Am I going to align with? Am I going to rely on whatever he says? See, I'm going to walk in the scripture. It's going to speak through the spirit. Or the spirit, why I'm praying, is going to lead me. And I'm going to hear, I'm going to be aware of God. In that moment, we all make a decision. Am I going to walk my own road or am I going to walk with the Lord in it? Now, I'll tell you what I think is keeping many of us from this trust. I think that many of us, our want is greater than our willing. So, so ask yourself this morning, is your want greater than your willing? Because if you look at the scriptures, all the patriarchs, the, the big guys that you learned about in Sunday school, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Paul, Peter, John, all of them acknowledged God first and foremost. They fellowshiped with God. They talked to him and he talked to them. But then they were willing to actually trust him. They were willing to follow. They were willing to take risks. They were willing to fail. They were willing to be killed. They were willing to look foolish. They were willing to say yes to God. Now, I think many of us in this room, I say every one of us has some wants. We want God too. I think many of us want to be more like Jesus. I really do. I think many of us want to hear from God more that we want to see people healed, that we want to see people set free, that we want to see salvation at our workplace, that we want to be wiser, that we want to understand the scriptures, that we want to know God's love greater, that we want to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that we want to see miracles in our lives, that we want to sin less, that we want to know our true identity, that we don't want to operate in fear. Amen? Many of us have these wants. But are we willing? And the question today as we look at abide and walk, are we willing to trust the one who makes all these things a reality? And that's the Holy Spirit. All the things that I just lifted off, this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He makes us more like Christ, sanctification. He is the one that brings healing power. He sets us free. He is the one that brings salvation. Only by him we are born of the Spirit that he brings wisdom, that he actually teaches us the scriptures, teaches us the depths of God. He 
is the one that pours out the Father's love on us. He's the one that gifts us. He's the one that does miracles. He's the one that convicts us so we did sin less. He's the one that says that we are sons and daughters of the King. He's the one that speaks on behalf of Jesus. You see, God isn't looking for willing vessels. God is looking for willing vessels, not just vessels of want. Everyone can want. All of us have wants. But I think many of us aren't willing. See, we, as a church, as an individual, are you willing to be biblical instead of comfortable? I think that's the question we all have to answer. And so today as we close, uh, as we worship one last time, I want you to think about this. What is keeping you from abiding or from walking with God today? What is it? Just ask God and let him bring that to mind. What is it? And this is the beautiful thing about when Jesus came. He says, if you confess your sin, I'm going to forgive you. All of them, as far as the east is from the west. And so maybe today you're not walking with the Spirit, you're not abiding in the Spirit because of doubt, because of unbelief. Maybe there's a religious spirit inside of you. Maybe you're just scared of what that means. Whatever he tells you as we're worshiping, as you really genuinely ask him, I would just invite you to confess that to the Lord. And then as you confess that and as you're forgiven, then just ask him, what do what, what you what is next? Maybe he's going to point you to the scripture and say, hey, read a bunch about my spirit and ask for him. I don't know what it will be. It's not my job to tell you. It's your job to get with the Lord and to listen. So once you bow your heads and we'll pray and then we'll worship one last time. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you came and you walked among us that you are the way, the truth, and the life. That nobody comes to the Father except through you, and we thank you for that. But we also thank you that you sent us the promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you said it's actually better, that we actually live in a time that others dreamed about in the Old Testament. People were just excited about the time where the Spirit of God would be placed in the people of God. Lord, let us recognize that. Lord, I want to bear abundant fruit in my life. So teach me to abide. Show me where I'm leaning on my own understanding. Show me where there's pride. Show me where I'm doubting you in the scriptures. And then, Lord, just breathe truth into all of that. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to do what you do best. That's the point us to Jesus this morning. Bring revelation. In your name.